Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. Today we have Michael, our resident ephesiologist. I'm Andrew Johnson, a pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas. And today we are joined by Brian Sanders. Brian is a social entrepreneur and a collective impact specialist. Brian, please let me know later how I can get a cool title like that. Uh, Brian is currently the market Make it up yourself. Hey, you know what? This is life. Uh, The market leader for Cohatch in Tampa Bay. He's VP of Impact Alliances for the National Christian Foundation, Tampa Bay. He's principal at Blue Aspen Group and founder and former executive director of the Underground Network. Brian is the author of nine books, his latest being Five Keys to Cross-Organizational Collaboration. He and his wife, Monica, have raised their six kids in central Tampa and are deeply committed to the well-being of the area. Brian, it is such an honor to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. Good to see your handsome faces. Ah, the beauty of Zoom. (laughs) It's that blur feature that I was using. Uh, Brian, I just read some wonderful things from your bio about you. Can you add some color? Uh, what are some things that maybe your friends might actually know about you, uh, that don't get published in bios? Gosh, uh, and, and that aren't negative. I right, 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 right. <laughs> we, we want the dirt. Give yeah. us the dirt. Those are all the what nice the bad things. things. Oh, here's the rest what are the bad things your friends are saying about you? I saw, did you see the, um, the biopic about Leonard Bernstein that just came out? Bradley Cooper did this incredible, like he spent six years learning to conduct. Oh, so uh, Maestro. play this one scene. Maestro, yeah. Um, there's a, there's a Ed Morrow interview that he does almost like lick for lick exactly as it actually happened. It's incredible. But in it, um, Bernstein says, he's like, how do you? Morrow's asking him, like, how do you manage your life or whatever? And he said, there's these two sides of his life, like the composer and the conductor. And the one is very public. You know, the the conductor is mm-hmm. in front of thousands of people and you're using an orchestra and you're just, you know. Very, very, very visible. Piece of it. Yeah. Conducting. But then there's the composer. And he said, that's to- utterly lonely. And you're just completely by yourself fighting to to generate music. And something about that really made sense to me resonated with me like there's a there's a part of me that's a conductor and a part of me that's a composer and and i'm sure there are other lots of other things to do in the world like manage things and uh lead things and so on but but probably those that's more how i see my life is like there's a bit that's meant to be creative and then there's a bit that's meant to give that away somehow or 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 interact with people and see what they're capable of together um, and maybe that's some what we'll get to today, but yeah, <clears throat> but that's 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 really a, a simple way of of how I see my my life, I guess. My- well, that's a great intro into us asking you questions. What are you composing these <laughs> days, and what are you conducting? Because you have a ton going on. Yes. Yeah, that's a. It is cool. Um, the. The composing bit is with you, Michael, you know, working on this kind of 
whatever it is, theology, <laughs> practical, practical theology of Theolo union. Missiological theology. Yeah. Whatever. Well, just, just I'm, I'm, I'm on this journey to try to understand the Trinity and its relationship to mm. the church, you know, like somehow that John 17, you know, you know, as the father and I are one. So, so you mm. should be so like, okay, well, we, you have to, you have to fix you have to do something with the mystery of the Trinity. Then if you're going to try to understand the mystery of what is Christian union and mm. how is it even, is it even knowable? Like there's mm -hmm. a epistemological problem there. I would too, say but... that sounds like a really key first start. Uh, <laughs> is it knowable? So, yeah. So that's like the creative side I'm trying to learn and think. And then there's a whole battery of research that we're trying to do around that um, and have been doing and learning slowly as you get those data points. Um, that's the creative side. And the conducting is actually in the trenches with collaborations with cause alliances and, and trying to, to stand up a church alliance, a sort of meta network in our city, cities, uh, region, whatever. Um, that's like a pr real practical challenge. You know, pe people, there's centripetal. What is it that throws you away? Whatever that force is that mm -hmm. pulls us away from each other, that's mm -hmm. always there. And mm -hmm. there's a lot working against union collaboration. That So there's a conducting there where I'm, I'm in these, now I'm in these situations where I don't know. I guess you're a facilitator, is what it really is. Um, yeah. Um, what do, What are you seeing that pulls us away from collaboration? I mean, I think the 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 gut response from people is trust, mistrust, or some some version of mistrust. You know, either they have baggage with each other in the room, so you're trying to get agency heads that are. 20, 15, 20 years working in the same field, right. they, they have history with each other, you know, um, sometimes mm -hmm. they came out of each other's agencies or, or, you know, there's, right. there's church. If you try to get all the church leaders in, in a city together, you're going to have church splits there. You're going to have mm. people that have said things about each other. You're going to have people that took their members or, or perceived that they took their right. members. So, so there's history. And then, and of course that gets, that gets probably dialed down to doctrinal differences or, tactical missional differences or and then i think church leaders in particular well all leaders really are are full of insecurity and immaturity and and so that gets transferred into the into the feelings about you know well their 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 approach is wrong or they're mm -hmm. they're they're not biblical or they're this or they're that but really it's like they're better than me or i'm worried that they're better than me or and then there's a there's all this spirit of competition because we probably do feel like we're in a red ocean, like a contested market space. It isn't true, but yes. that's how you feel as yes. a church leader. You feel you're you're fighting for the same market share. Um, so then you're kind of a little resentful for other people's success and a little insecure about your own perceived lack of success. And man, it's just complicated. I, I don't know. It's like um, it's what people say. It's what they present as their reasons why they hold back from it. Mm -hmm. And there's also like the deeper stuff, which maybe we're not always aware of or not always being, you know, I don't know, honest about. But but this is interesting because we did like 100 interviews and you know this, Michael, we did like mm -hmm. 100 one on one interviews with senior pastors in our region. And the, the we came up with this series of observations from that. And one of them, the first of which being that all of them, like to a person believed that 
churches work should work together. We like we have a theological mandate or remit to work together. So nobody was like, ah, I just don't think that's true, yeah. or I don't think that's biblical, that or something. That part's not in my Bible. Yeah. So everybody. So that's ironic that we have agreement hmm. on union on unity, but we just don't do it. Hmm. So it is. It does. It does sort of rise. It, it. It's a conundrum. It's like so we all agree this this one thing we do agree on, and yet we do very little to apply that shared belief. You know. Can I interject with a, a little bit of a, an observation as well? Um, you are much further in your research than I am on my doctoral ministry project. And it seems that, um, so since I'm, I'm working with what I hoped, well, what are networks that exist within cities um, that are comprised of a network of networks, at least for the Houston church planting network, um, where we're all gathering these churches together with the ends of hoping to have uh, more and increasing number of church plants happen. Um, it seems that what what comes to the fore is not entirely, again, for my project, nobody's arguing whether we should collaborate. It's the argument starts to come, so how far are we to collaborate together? Or what are we supposed to collaborate to do? So we look at John 17, should we be unified? Yes. In what? Well, hold on. Let's have a conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so you start talking about even those theological differences. Um, some people, they hold so tightly to those. And they say, if we're going to collaborate, like, I'm not sure you're going to be collaborating in the same interest as I am because you believe this. And so if somebody goes through our process, I think they're going to go left and you think they're going to go right. And that seems like a problem. So I guess more now my question to you after that extremely long explanation is, what are you seeing them unwilling to collaborate on? Or what are you seeing these churches willing to lean in together over? You know, it's interesting. I guess just doing a little bit of initial reading and work on on kind of trinitarian uh theology what there's that that saying like all all the external works of the trinity are undivided or indivisible like in the and the difference between what what would they call the economical trinity versus the imminent trinity which is like operation versus essence you know so okay. And then when you think about the church, this is just something, I, I don't know that this solves the or answers the question, but when you think about the church, like, is there a, I mean, does that, does that statement apply? All, all the works of the church are indivisible. So actually the, the church itself mm -hmm. is a Body. thing mm -hmm. and every single thing it does is a part of what it itself. And so mm -hmm. what we do is we contrive to break all that apart and to own pieces of it and to disagree about their prioritization and so on. And some of it is maybe just coming to the realization that we already are, we already do share some sort of, sort of essence and, and that it's not something we have to work overly hard for. It's not something we have to strive towards. Like, so we're, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with working with you on that. Well, I'm not sure that matters that much just work on the bits you're meant to work on or that you feel mm -hmm. there's 
So tactical or operational unity, that to, to my mind should only come down to the stuff we want to work or we feel we we're better when we work on it together. And as long as we're open to that. So like you talk about Houston, Houston network, that's a great example. I think that was started because of the hurricane or some natural disaster or something. And they were responding to that, right? That is Houston responds. Uh, Houston that organization, Response. Houston Response, happens to also be on the other side of the wall from me every day. So I love Houston Response. <laughs> uh, the Houston but didn't, Church. But didn't that didn't that somehow didn't that somehow relate to this other network, or didn't didn't it come um, from that? We have a lot. It did not come from uh, some of the people who are a part of Houston Response work very close with the Houston Church Planting Network, and Houston Response okay. as an organization gotcha. is trying to work with the churches to say. How do we, as the church, actually work within the city to respond to the needs and crises as they arise? There it is. Yeah. Okay. So again, if you if you can sum up, like, let's just take those two entities that they were somehow to be, you know, to relate to each other in a meaningful mm -hmm. way, then as needs arise or as causes are identified, then from that meta network, smaller networks could form to mm -hmm. to address those things. Mm -hmm. And really, a lot of that is just optics. It's just seeing like, oh yeah, we're all working together, uh, or or this group this group of churches is going to go focus on something, and then to take I don't know what you'd say credit stock. In yeah, that? I say when you start talking optics, that sometimes feels a little bit like, are we doing it just so we can say, hey, we did it, and look at us, or are we doing it because we're really concerned about the ends being? I mean, satisfied? but what is? But what is what is witness? I mean, what does it mean to say and you know, and then the world will know that the Father has sent me? Like what what is that? Isn't that optics? I mean, isn't that isn't that so people can bear witness to something to see the evidence of some transcendent reality or some, you know, truth about the Father sending the Son. Yeah. You know? Well, there's certainly something demonstrable about that. You know, we Jesus said they will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for each other. There's a demonstration of, of being Jesus's followers because of the activities that we're doing together. And so, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd see that, Brian. And I don't, I don't mean that to, to say that it's, um, you know, whatever contrived or, right. or heartless or something, but cause, cause that I think Michael, you make a good point. Like, Actually, what is it, what is in our hearts towards each other is is yes. as important as the way we present our unity or something to the world, but it's but both things are at work. We have we have to work on the relational side. Obviously, we have to actually like each other at some degree or be willing mm. to get into a room with each other, and then from that, I think we have to say, okay, how and where can we work together? I guess my point is that I'm just wondering if every single church working on something is the thing. I, I don't know that that is the thing or every single agency working on something. It's more like, are we on the same page? Are we working towards the same goals? Um, mm. You know, mm. what, what is that, that, um, what is it? Pactus sanctum or something. I forget what it's called, but like this idea that the, within the Trinity, they make some sort of covenant or some sort of pact to go save humanity, you know, like between the father, the son, and the spirit, they're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to make this, this agreement that we're going to go do, do whatever it takes to save humanity or whatever. And even, so even within the Trinity, there's this possibility that they almost sacrifice something within their own unity, their own union for the sake of 
some mm -hmm. transcendent goal, some greater goal. Mm. And that I think is also a key to collaboration. That's how we put aside our differences is to say, there's this thing, which is just so important to us all. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, processing that because I think, I mean, the, the language of sacrifice, you know, conjures up the idea that they're going to be lacking something or they're giving up something. Um, and I think in a human perspective, I think that's a good way that we might talk about it. But in the Trinitarian, very yeah, choresis uh, that, that the early church talks about how, how they're so united together and so orchestrated that everything they do is bringing glory to each other and mm -hmm. and fulfilling what uh the, uh you know what the mission is and and so on um and i and wonder what yeah. in that concept of the trinity how does that work out you know, because I think you're, I mean, I, I love this conversation because it's so critical, I think, for where the church is in North America. I mean, we're so fractured um, and it just takes just the littlest, the tiniest uh, to trigger to get people to, to be, I was going to use a, 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 an expletive there, but I, I decided not hey, to. We don't edit on this podcast. Yeah, well, that's why I decided not to. Uh, Michael, I actually think you're on to something great in your in your teasing this out, uh, only because there's that, uh, theologically speaking, you don't want to say at any point one member of the Trinity is choosing to not do something so that the other two, quote unquote, get what they want, so that there is a sacrifice because there is a, a ontological problem there. Uh However, however, Michael, what you are saying is that every single act from all members of the Trinity are going to be as such that God is glorified. You know, everything is working for the good of the Lord. And so it, when you ask the question, well, what about the church? I think it is around that redefining. Uh, Brian, I really appreciate how you phrased that. Like, there is one church. So what is happening in this city, every single time a local body is doing something, that is the church working to the end. And so at any point as the church or church is, if we're kind of focusing on those local gatherings, if at any point they say, uh, I guess we'll just not do what we want so that these other churches can reach their ends, maybe we just need to redefine the terms. That is actually an action that is not not getting what you want. It is actually doing the thing that reaches the ends of the church, which means the action is a good thing. It is not a quote unquote sacrifice. Uh, that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I the 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 correct term, by the way, is is pactum salutis, uh, and I think it's that they would be unified in their the sacrifice. So it's not it's not that there's a sacrifice between them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but obviously the cross is the penultimate sacrifice. It is, it is, it is God emptying himself, becoming human, the incarnation, the cross, all that is meant to, that is the lever through which we can be reconciled to God. So, and that's their, their unified choice to do this together. And, and I don't know, I don't know how else to say it, except to, 
to say, that's really important to us. Let's go do that. Let's let's work together to do that thing, to save humanity, which we created and whom we love. And we have to find a way back for them. Yeah. And all I mean by that is that that somehow too, that will be a key to our unity, like really to any practical. So if you look at collective impact, which is not Christian at all, that whole field or, or sphere, you you always have to have a transcendent goal. You have to have kind of a, a thing we're all wanting. And in my, in my work with um, cause alliances, where you get 40, 50 agencies that are all working on foster care and adoption or something like that in a room, it doesn't take long. It, 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 it takes less than an hour to get to that thing that they all signed up for. The reason yeah. why they do this for a living and why they all now they they may lose there's mission drift they may lose their heart for it get institutionalized whatever but it does not take long for them to remember why they do it and it's that every child would have a, a safe and loving home or something like that like they mm -hmm. a permanent home it's clear what that thing is and then when they know that and when they they say actually guys that's more important than any of our pettiness or any of our issues with each other and when that is strong enough and big enough you have the you have the possibility of significant collaboration until uh -huh. that exists i don't know how you do it but even but i guess my point is even the trinity has a some something like that where they say oh. let's go let's go save human beings you know 100 percent. yeah 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 okay so what you're saying or you're not saying it you're inferring that uh perhaps in some places where all of this struggle is going on the strife between the churches that might suggest that we don't either we don't know what our cause is or or we've lost it yes i mean is this jesus to ephesus hey return to do the works of your first love kind of thing that's it yeah i, I think it's very it's it's strangely difficult for a church leader. I mean, even, even myself, I'm sitting there like, what is our thing? Like, what is our thing that we're all trying to, you know, like a, a in the anti-human trafficking alliance I work with, a world without exploitation is all of their dream. I mean, whether that's right. the police, to, I mean, because it's illegal. So like right. a world where that doesn't happen is what they all want. Do we have that? Are we, are we clear on that? Can we say that? Is it is it easy for us to find that with each other? It should be. Or maybe it's just too big. I don't know. And I, I mean, I, maybe you have an answer to this, but it's it's not so easy to grab that with churches. You know, some people might say the gospel, or some people might say justice, or human flourishing, or or just God being glorified somehow in the world. Or it gets boiled down to other things. But it's not so accessible. It's not right at the fingertips for us as church leaders. Mm hmm. Why? I I don't pastor a church, so I don't know. You should you should ask that question. <laughs> I've been trying to ask that question. Truth be told, uh, well, it, it, I think it comes down in some at some level at least. It comes down to our own selfish ambitions, pride, uh, sense of what we're doing is the most significant thing, and those kinds of things. And I mean, that's so not the Trinity, isn't it? Well, that, and that's probably, that's probably the bad news. I mean, that, that would be the worst possible answer is that essentially those of us in church leadership, we probably essentially feel that our call, our mandate is to grow a church. 
mm. to grow the church we are yeah. in charge yeah. of. That our our single mission, our core work or purpose in the world is to grow that church that we lead. And if that is your ultimate goal, then we are in competition with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if if that is not a transcendent, you know, to use um, you know the the uh, the language of like infinite game versus finite games. This is that is a finite game. Mm-hmm. Grow a church is a finite game. Um, to 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 see the you know the glory of God cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That is an infinite game. You know. Yeah, yeah, that, I love that. That right. everyone would hear the the good news of Jesus. Or whatever. That is an infinite game. And I and and that, if that's true, and maybe it, maybe it's it's percentages, you know, it's ratios. Like there's always a little bit of us that think that really is my cause to just try to grow this thing that mm. I'm doing. But surely there's more in our hearts. There's more reason why we said yes to Jesus in the first place, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I was playing a bit of a devil's advocate too, Michael, because everything you guys just said is one thousand percent true. Um, is that uh, you know? we've been too satisfied by playing <laughs> with those mud pies uh, at the sea, as opposed to what God has called us to something significantly better, bigger, more God glorifying, unifying all the, all the happy things. Um, I wonder if there is a bit of, is there a positive reading of uncertainty, which is along the lines uh, where we kind of started the conversation your thing can't always be my thing. What God has gifted you and your local body in might not be how he has gifted or called us. And so I wonder if some of the waffling or uncertainty is also trying to maybe understand why did God put us here in this community at this time with these leaders? Uh, Michael, I know this is, I know what you're thinking, which is we already know God's will. We already know his purpose. We already know that God is uniting all things in him and has called us to be a part of that mission. Sometimes I wonder if there's also through that mission, through that unity, this church is going to be the one that leads out on anti-trafficking stuff. This church is going to be the one that says we are really going to put our effort and our time into impacting the uh, suicide rate here in Houston. Like just because one person is super passionate about it doesn't mean that now every Christian has to abandon all the things that they were passionate about and saying, okay, we have this new thing we need to chase. Like, I I wonder if there is, okay, there is some goodness in the waffling of trying to figure that out. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, one, one of the things I kind of identify as a key to collaboration in that last little book I wrote is is specialization and that actually what makes for great collaborations is people having different specializ- specialization specialties um, mm-hmm. and and part of what makes us recognize man I I, I actually need you I I you know to, to get this bigger dream that I have in my heart this this more transcendent goal, this infinite goal, we're going to need people like you who are different than people like me or people with causes like you or groups of people with causes. Um, so again, I think it's, it's a temptation to, to say everybody should be doing what I'm doing and, and see the world the way I see the world and, and, and focus on the thing that I have a lot of zeal towards. And honestly, a lot of what, what I think is 
is, um, you know, kind of distilled as calling, personal calling or group calling or church calling has to do with opportunity. It actually has to do with what you've been through, like some sort of triangulation of the needs of the place you are, that, that you, who you are and what you've mm-hmm. been through and, and God's sort of multifaceted work in the world. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people's deepest sense of calling and mission is related to like trauma or stuff they've been through that was horrible, you know, mm-hmm. um, having, you know, having, for example, having survived cancer puts you in a position where you can work with people who have a cancer diagnosis. If you've never had a cancer diagnosis, you could, but you wouldn't really understand it and you wouldn't have a ton of traction. So it's like having been someone who's been through that and who knows what that feels like can, can go and work with people. And it's the same way with churches, where we are located, the stuff we've been through, what that church has experienced, all of that positions you to care about something more deeply than, than I would because I haven't been through it. Or this other church across town wouldn't because they haven't been through it. It's just whether or not we can integrate those things, whether or not we can organize around those shared causes and then specialized cause mm-hmm. work and see it again as a whole. So not not to go back to the optics thing, but to, go, to somehow be able to be on one map or to work together at least on that, you know, I, mm-hmm. I guess in a, in a data driven world, you know, sharing data, um, yeah. w- looking at it as, as a single thing and becoming organized. I mean, we, we did part of our research was figuring out like how big, so there's 1800 churches in our tri-county area, 1823 churches, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you something know, like that. Po- $1.4 trillion in economic power within them. If you look at it, mm-hmm. like if you look at it on a map, and you think of it in a, with a business mind, you're just like, we have a franchise everywhere. Yeah, we I can mean, do some things with this too. Oh my gosh. So we we are the most potent, formidable, non-government entity, like by a country mile from anything else that exists. Hmm. But of course, our problem is that we're not integrated. We're, we're completely fragmented. We have no we're disorganized. So we have no, we have no way to consolidate or to uh, maximize that economy of scale. We, we can't, we, it's totally disintegrated. Mm-hmm. So again, the, the missiologist in me, the person that just cares about really the mission of God, mm-hmm. I'm just like, this is bad. This is really bad. I mean, it's less sentimentality, at least where I come from. It probably should also be that, but I'm just more like, this is just a tactical um, blunder. Let's just use a tragedy. It's yeah. yeah, it's it's a, it's a catastrophe. Like we, we are the most powerful thing hmm. in our, in our cities. Like I wonder if it, just realizing that, I mean, you saying that I would think, would spark some thoughts in that community to say, oh, or open the eyes and say, oh, wow, is that right? You know, then what, yeah. what can we do with that? Uh, but that it does. Takes, and maybe, it takes yeah, maybe that's just an experience. imagination thing. You're right. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's storytelling or that's part of it. So this mm-hmm. goes back to something that you brought up earlier, Andrew. Like, I, th- I think another problem is that even if we feel, yeah, we probably should be in relation with each other. We probably should do something together. We probably should work together. I think that is something God would want. 
nobody's really sure whose job it is to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like um, it, it comes down to this problem: like the person who thinks I should do that, I, I, I should, I should organize all the churches in my region. That's probably not the person you want. Exactly. You know, that's <laughs> like the applying. last person you denied. <laughs> so, but then, but then the guy over here that's going, well, I could never do that. Like, who am I? Who am I to convene mm. all the churches in my city or whatever? And I, I couldn't possibly do that. That's probably the person you want. So you have this, again, this conundrum of sometimes strong charismatic personalities will emerge in a city and say, let's go, let's get together. And you will get, some traction from that but i a couple of observations i would have about that one is it's it there's a ceiling so it's limited probably it's going to be like you know five percent or less of those churches will come to that because it's really a cult of personality you know Mm. and then and then two you get these like how do i say this it isn't offensive non-apostolic type leaders Mm -hmm. you know like they're not you're going to get people that want to be in that guy's orbit so they'll come to it. So it's it's there's a ceiling on the number, but then also it's a certain kind of church leader that would right. want to be around. And all the people that are like, who's that guy I think he is? That's the people you really need there. That's the people you really want there. And they just won't come. They they mm-hmm. wouldn't, they're not gonna come just to breathe his air or whatever, rarefied mm-hmm. air mm-hmm. to be near him, something. So that's a tricky thing, like a convener. This is another problem we have is who who is positioned to be the best conveners in our city for these kind of things. So I'm really grateful for the National Christian Foundation to have for a few years paid me money to go do this because the the foundation is a great convener because they don't they're not a church. They just want to see more money go to ministries and churches. So their only game is generosity. So, and because they have relationships with, you know, high capacity givers in some cases, that opens doors certainly to nonprofit agency heads, churches less so. But it's, it's, we have to find those neutral conveners, those catalytic leaders who aren't there to gain something from themselves uh to build the reputation of their own church or ministry or entity but just really care about that transcendent thing about the possibility of collaboration and finding that key convener and by the way i also think it's this unique kind of 21st century skill set of how to do that and the kind of person that can pull it off who's like you know describe this person yeah, it's funny. I went. I, I was hanging out with Eric Swanson and Rob Kelly, who they're oh, just they're gosh, just, yeah. lucky dog. They're, well, they're stars in this area. You know, they're they really and they've been doing it a lot longer. And they convene leaders from around the country. You know, Eric with his big cigars and his his sort of casual way of doing radical things and making it seem like it isn't normal. But yeah. he, he, he gets, he gets all these leaders in the room. And it's the first time I'd ever been to something like this and seen like maybe 20 ish, 25 of these kind of city leaders and just kind of marveling how odd they were, you know, the, this kind of leader and, and trying to, trying to pick apart to analyze what mm-hmm. was it about them. So these are people that, um, are not flashy or glamorous in any way. Um, they're capable leaders, but they're not necessarily interested in being the center of anything. 
they're long game players. So they're thinking 10 years, 15 years. They're 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 going really infinite game minded. Mm-hmm. Infinite game minded, but also like, ah, this may take us 30 years to do this. Right. And they're up for it. You know, they're not they're not mm-hmm. shrinking back from that. Which again, there's a certain kind of like ambitious type A person that would be like, I want results today this year or within a three-year period that's our we're very you know whatever instant gratification on leadership metrics and stuff um and then just somehow the ability to make other people feel like they're important and and to give away to thin slice and to give away shares of the 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 whole thing that's being built somehow that people feel they own it but yet having the backbone and the, the the composure and the gravitas to stand up to some of these bo- bossy types, you know, the, the types that will bully. And, and in my experience of trying to step into this world, because I don't think I'm really that kind of leader, but I'm trying to play that role in certain cases. Um, I think you really do have to stand up to some of these people. Like there, there are type A's that will sit in the room and be like, you say, hey, guys, what if we have this conversation right now? And they go, that's the wrong conversation. You should have a different one. And it's like, what do you do? I mean, I just wreck the whole thing. Mm. And you have to be able to almost stand up to that person and say, love that. Thank you for who you are. But this is what we're doing. Yeah. And we're going to stick with that. So so you're not really a type A driven folk. You know, get it to be about you. But you've got some of that. Um some of those qualities are, are at least at least enough of a backbone to be able to work with those people dude it is such a it is such a niche it is such a like beautiful mm. um cool powerful profile yeah wow neat and, and that's also hilarious as you describe it because in a way brian it's like do is that me do i fit that do it is can I can I lean in that area? And then the longer you poke at it, I keep hearing that voice of if you keep raising your hand saying, put me in, that's totally me. That means you might not be that person. So um, back off the line. Back off the line, champ. It's tricky. It's tricky. Uh okay, Brian, I feel that uh I feel like we were just getting going. Like this almost feels like this should be a part one to a much longer conversation on the nature of a missionally minded collaboration that has both city national and global impact in mind um as opposed to just like hey look what we did photo op right like something more substantial and so um this is a a recorded request can we have you on at a future date talk about some (laughs) of these things absolutely this this is a lot of fun Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you very much, Brian, for being on with us. Well, Uh, yeah, and the next time you come on, we expect you to have this problem solved. Solved. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Solved. And at least two more titles to add to your name as well. I just need to make sure that bio grows. No problem. That's easier. I could add titles. (laughs) Because you just make your own. (laughs) That's the best. Well, Brian, thank you. And to our listeners, Thank you for spending your time with us too. If this was your first podcast with us, or you're interested in finding out more about ephesiology, um, first of all, jump into the podcast feed that you're on. Check our back catalog if there is a topic that interests you. Click on that. We recently wrapped on our Make Disciples series, so I would encourage you to go and check out absolutely every single podcast from that. 
And then if you are looking for more resources that Ephesiology is a part of, I would commend to you masterclasses.ephesiology.com. Go there, poke around. I can promise you there is something of benefit and interest to you. So for Michael, Brian, and myself, thank you for doing theology and community with us today.